Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Anything But Typical podcast. Today, we've got the Anything But Typical Helen Edwards. And I am laughing because my first conversation with Helen was something around like, what do you want to do? And she said, uh, pretty much nothing shy of world domination. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, I like this lady already. <laughs> so uh, you guys are in for a treat. We can't wait to unpack more of your story. So here's the scenario, Helen. You and your hubby are driving through the Blue Ridge Parkway with your VW vintage caravan of other enthusiasts. You pull off at your favorite coffee place and people are looking at this amazing collection of vehicles but somebody goes hey that's helen edwards i recognize her and then they start talking about you but they don't realize you can overhear everything that they're saying about you what would you like somebody to say about you helen oh gosh well first of all i'm envisioning this caravan and i think we would stop off in louisa's and black mountain to get a coffee and those breakfast burritos they're amazing if you haven't been before but if i did come across um that scenario let's see i would hope that they would say that um i'm creative i'm a good leader um I'm well-respected in the events and hospitality industry. Um, and maybe something like she's a bona fide badass. You know, that would be, that would be an ideal overheard conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows if that would actually come to fruition, but um, I would hope so. Cause I've been in this uh, event and hospitality industry for a long time. And I've prided myself on um, doing what I say I'm going to do. And following through. So I think that has uh, created a pretty solid reputation for me. That's that's an unbelievable start to this. Um, before we dive into the story, I'm going to let the listeners at least know who, who you are and what you do right for the day job. So Helen's the owner and chief experience officer at Spark by Design. And Helen, I want to go back to... Um, the beginning of you becoming an owner. Let's start with with how did you become an owner of Spark by Design? Right? How did that journey start for you? Well, I worked my way up the ladder. You know, it was rung by rung. Uh, I started as part time and as an operations coordinator under the original brand, which was well, the second brand uh, was Sterling by Design and Sterling Events. Um, I was hired by them to do operations part-time and just worked my way up and ended up being awarded a variety of different uh, projects to operate, um, larger in scale, and became close with um, our original uh, director of event design, Kristen Prestwood, who started by Design Event Group, which was the original brand of Spark by Design. And Kristen and I became really close and had a really wonderful working relationship. And she was offered the opportunity to purchase back uh, by Design, Sterling Events, Sterling Events Raleigh, um, 
Sterling by design and rebrand. And she asked me to come with her. And I did in 2015. And she and I uh, started under this new brand, uh, incorporating all of the offices of Sterling events, uh, with the exception of the one in Clemens that still exists to this day. And she and I worked and were able to increase our revenue over the course of uh, four years. And she decided um, to retire at 38 years old and have another baby and grow her family and be a stay-at-home mom and spend that time with her family that she knew they deserved and what she and her husband had dreamed of. And she offered me the business uh, to purchase. And that, I believe, just came with years of years of hard labor, <laughs> but years of just following through and, and showing up and um, leaning into my strengths and learning hard lessons about myself um, that she felt that I could carry on her baby, her first baby of by design. And I'm honored to do so. Was owning a business something that you had envisioned for yourself or was this more of an opportunity presented to you? I thought about it um, for years. I always worked for small businesses my whole life, um, just from waiting tables to doing counter work, slinging bagels, at the bagel basket, slinging fish at the fish market down at Wrightsville. So it's just um, working for small businesses have always has always been um, in my history, and I always respected that type of work. I didn't know what I would do, but once I landed in hospitality, um, working at Discovery Place, that was a great experience. But I wanted to work for a small business, but I didn't know it was going to end up being something of my own. Um, I'm just grateful that it worked out in that way. I've always had that entrepreneurial spirit, but always wanted to, you know, find my own footing. And it ended up, I was already in the right place at the right time uh, with Kristen and Sterling and Spark. So, so take us through that experience, right? You start part-time, you're working your way up, you get asked to come over with Kristen, you're building this thing with her. And then she says, hey, I'm retiring, which being 38 years old, she probably, you probably didn't expect her to be walking away any day. And so all of a sudden she says, I'm retiring and here's a chance for you to buy the business. Take us through your thought process of, is this something I want to take on? Does it make sense for me to buy this? What did that look like for you in, in that phase of your life? It was, yes, a shock. It was exciting. It was, I felt like a fish out of water, kind of not knowing um, where to start, um, how to get a loan, how I was going to pay for it. Um, if I could execute all of the events without her, um, if the team that I currently had, that she and I had together would stay by me as that transition happened between owner and employee. Um so there was a lot of stress that went along with that. But luckily, I had a, a really good support system with her. Um, the staff that was with us at the time, really, they they showed up for me. And I know it was hard for them to see me as kind of a 
just in a director role, now an owner role and not being able to do what I used to do. So it was a little, a little rocky, but they were really great um, and gracious to me as transitioning into the ownership role. And my husband and family and friends, they were all very supportive. Um, but it was a scary time and really, really stressful because this all happened um, relatively fast going through SBA 7A loans is what we had to do. And, you know, those types of things come with the timeline and you have to be on the bank's timeline and then the attorney's timeline. So it's not how how the timeline that you would want to have. It's really basis, based around what the bank says is what goes. So that was a heavy amount of stress also happening during holiday season where we have a ton of parties to execute at the same time. So it was, it was hard, but we made it through. So Helen, we got to keep unpacking more of your story and even some of the head trash that was going on that you alluded to a little bit, because it's funny, every Pretty much every CEO and entrepreneur that we've ever talked to has dealt with some of those issues. And a lot of people don't realize, oh, well, you just, they think, oh, you just go do it. And that's how you're, you're wired. Well, we have the same head trash that everybody else does. Am I good enough? Am I going to be able to do this? You know, those kind of things. So we want to talk about that. But before we go even deeper into that, explain to the listeners what Spark by Design does and kind of the niche, like what makes you guys different in that, in, in your world? Sure. Um, great question. Cause it is, <laughs> we do a lot of different things. Um, Spark by Design originally um, started as a decor and design company for events. Kristen uh, provided theme decor, um, wedding decor and design, proms. Um, so anything from like Gatsby, out of outer space, park and garden, uh, Indiana Jones, um, all of those theme type of events and those types of props and decor um, were part of uh, our inventory early on. And that continued to expand into um, not so much uh, themed, but corporate style decor. So um, sets with uh, hard sets with lighting, um, lounge furniture, custom food stations, ceiling treatments, and these types of decor that aren't quite themed but can be um, branded or shown in a, in a variety of different ways for uh, corporate meetings and events. Um, so Kristen originally started the company as decor and design over time as Charlotte has grown and how North Carolina has grown in general as a destination. Um, so has um, the need for hospitality services. And so with that, uh, we expanded from just doing decor to um, taking on um, full destination management services, which is DMC for short, is a destination management company. So we are, we are considered a destination management company and event design firm. So with the DMC services, that includes ground transportation for folks that are flying into North Carolina. We service all executive transfers. We can assist with the security needed for high-level executives. 
We assist with all of their banquets, um, awards, dinners, tours, activities, um, anything that they need here in North Carolina. We're their go-to person to pull all of those things together for them so they can have a smooth and easy trip, business vacation, um, uh, meeting, conference, whatever they need while they're here in town, where there are folks on the ground to pull that together for them. So it's full hospitality services and then all of the decor and design that goes along with the special events that they'll hold here. Yeah, that's great. Um, and talk about the geographies that you are serving. Sure. We serve, um, we're based in Charlotte, but we serve all of North Carolina and upstate South Carolina in the majority of our, our core business. We have done things in Southern Virginia and have been taken down to Austin, Texas with a client uh, to do some things, but our main markets are Charlotte, uh, Greenville, South Carolina, Raleigh, Durham, uh, Wilmington, and Asheville would probably be our top. Yeah, that's really fascinating. And you don't have to answer this yet, but at some point in, in the conversation, I want you to be thinking about what was one of the funnest and most unusual events that you guys have pulled off. So again, you don't have to think about this because I, I think Ben's got some more questions, but I just want you to be thinking <laughs> about that. Yeah, no, that's that's fine. We There's a lot of different ways that we can go, but I want to make sure that we're we're diving in pretty deep on you taking this business over, right? Because it's so unique. We could probably spend the entire hour talking about it, right? So you hadn't run a business before, but you've been in this business for a while. You talked about the dynamic with the employees of how are they going to look at you from going from director into owner and your responsibilities changing, things like that. What were some of the biggest hurdles that you faced within that that first year or two of you being the actual owner of the business? I think the hardest part was um, realizing that I couldn't do my old job anymore of operating events. I was myself, our team, and the clients were all used to me executing the events. Because um, in the planning world, you have um, the sales and planning where you're putting together the proposal, you're pulling all of the pieces together, um, you're designing the event, pulling the linens, the whole look, the florals, all those things are in that pre-planning process. And then um, our old boss, Wayne Thomas, would always say, um, you've got your um, promise makers and your promise keepers. So you have your makers at the front that are putting all this together. And then I was one of the promise keepers and we would execute all of those things. So both parts are equally important. And when I took on ownership and I wasn't able to do based on just overall timing and the amount of, of work it takes just on the front end for ownership and all the other things that you have on your plate, operating the events was, was not something that I could do to my best ability anymore. And I, that 
that stress, stress and that amount of work fell down onto the team that I had that was with me during this transition part, which made them overworked. And that was a really, really the hardest part, I think, because I knew that they were overworked and I couldn't help them. Um, and I was behind the ball of getting more people in to assist us. Um, and by the time I did, it was like, then the pandemic <laughs> was right after that. So it was, we were ready to get more people and we have more people on board. And then the whole thing got shaken up as a snow globe, which I'm sure we'll get into that. But we were ready to get more people in and it just um, fell apart. And everything had to be just completely re-geared from top to bottom. So that would be the hardest part of not being able to do what I thought right. I was going to do for sure. No, it makes sense. And one of the the really interesting dynamics of this is you as a leader in the company, right? If you were the an employee, especially back when you were part-time working your way up, now all of a sudden you're thrust and you're the leader. So Talk about some of the things you learned as an employee of the business that you then were able to apply to be a leader of this company instead. Oh, gosh, there's so many different aspects of that. Um, because I've done all of the roles here, I think that played a part into how I've been able to lead better um, because I have loaded and unloaded trucks. I've had to drive trucks up mountains before and um, I can climb ladders and I can't quite drive a genie lift. I'll have somebody to do it for me, <laughs> but I'm not afraid to get 26 feet in the air to hang ceiling fabric. So it's the, I've been able to succeed just because I've wanted to learn everything. And I think that has a lot to do with um being surrounded by a lot of people that are good teachers. I myself am not that great of a teacher that I'm, I'm working on that. But um, the fact that I've remained curious um, and I want to learn all of the different things that probably assisted me more than I thought, just because I wanted to learn everything about every aspect of the business. And I, I encourage my younger employees to do the same as to to stay curious and try to learn it all because you never know what kind of situation you're going to get thrown in. And I'm not sure if that quite answered your question, but, yeah. but as overall, I mean, it's just being insatiably curious mm -hmm. about how things work and how things are put together and just being open to learning from, from folks in your surroundings, whether it's the houseman in the back of the West End or, you know, an, old ops guy that's been doing AV for 30 years. Like all of those people have something to share. And because events are so team oriented, everybody in your team, your vendor team, as well as your own team has a wealth of knowledge. If you just listen to people. And I think by listening and staying curious, that has helped in my, in my leadership for sure. Yeah, you've been in their shoes, right? And that, so the combination of those couple of things, one, you've been in their shoes before, you held every position, you unloaded the trucks. And then the second part of not only are you always staying open and staying curious, but you're also creating a culture by encouraging your employees to do the same thing. 
gets people thinking in a much more open-minded manner that allows that to be a a company attribute, not just a Helen Edwards attribute, which is really interesting. You had mentioned being surrounded by good teachers. So talk about that a little bit. What, I'll say entrepreneurial influence, just to keep it open. It could be mentors, parents, teachers, anything like that. What people in those types of roles have you had that you've been able to learn from uh, throughout your career? Oh, there's so many. This is really hard. <laughs> it's a hard question. Um, is this like the acknowledgement uh, phase of a speech where you just thank you to all of these people? That's not what this is meant for, right? It's just what are, oh, what are some gosh. Of these <laughs> but it can certainly turn into something yeah, like all the time, right? <laughs> I've certainly been blessed to be around some amazing entrepreneurs. Um, uh, and, and just hostesses just overall like folks that know how to throw parties. And that's like my, my grandmothers, my aunts, those, those ladies watching them when I was a kid, being able to set a table, set a buffet and they'd have everything, um, all their dishes pulled. They'd have little um, pieces of paper that they would tear up. They would write what what food goes in each dish, have it positioned properly on the table to serve 20 some family members. I would be in the back, like helping them light candles when I was two or three years old. So following them around, tugging on apron strings, trying to learn in the kitchen of like how to properly time a meal, um, how to put together a centerpiece um, that people can talk over at dinner those types of things built into, and I know they weren't entrepreneurs as far as business is concerned, but they ran households. And that to me is one of the most important jobs is to be able to run a good household, um, whether um, your listeners are um, in business or not, being able to run a tight ship. I mean, my grandmother, she raised six boys, three of which were mentally handicapped. That woman could run the nation. She was just a, just a rock star. And she could, she taught us so much growing up as, as grandbabies. So that I have to give kudos to them because learning how the operations of entertaining that is a huge part of what I can do and what I've learned. Then when it comes to the entrepreneurship, I worked for, as I mentioned, let's see, three or four um, entrepreneurs of small businesses growing up. And um, for example, one couple, uh, Warren and Paula Smith owned the bagel basket in Wilmington where I went to college and they were just hard asses from Brooklyn. And I'd never been around Yankees before. This was like a big deal for me. <laughs> never had been around folks like that. I mean, they were just like from the heart of Brooklyn, grew up in the 50s, 60s, and were hard asses. And they ran such a tight ship in that bagel basket. I mean, the bagels were perfect. Us girls knew what we were going to do. Everybody knew their role. Everybody cleaned. Everybody smiled. It was like 
no matter what time of day it was, Warren was in there making sure the place was spotless. They cared about their surroundings and they cared about their little slice of heaven. It was their shop and they made it perfect. And same thing uh, when I worked for Gene Long down at um, Mott's Channel Seafood down at Wrightsville Beach. It's a fish market. I mean, you would imagine those places would be gross. You're like slinging fish everywhere and like, but no, the place was spotless. It might smell like fish, but it smells like fresh fish. And we would scoop ice and make sure that everything was tidy and clean and all of the employees knew their roles. And so those types of um, those leaders that managed their house, managed their business um, with a keen eye, um, with uh, with clear direction to their employees, um, knowing what was expected of you as an employee in a small business, I found to be very refreshing because there's so many companies that are so large and may lose that sense of um, purpose and direction when it comes all the way down the chain of command. Um, I find to be uh, kind of stressful where in a small business, you have your hands in so many different things and you can steer the direction of the ship, knowing that everybody is on board with um, with what you're trying to do because you're giving clear and and concise information for them to know their responsibility, know their roles of how to execute. And that, I think, plays a big part into how I try to run our business here as well. Eventually, you realize that hard ass from Brooklyn is just the default, right? That's just New York. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's, I did learn that every time. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that makes perfect sense. And the story of you tugging on the aprons to learn, right, is they're putting notes in bowls of what needs to go there, of just that precision and being detail-oriented and how you can apply that now. It's amazing how something you think of going to Thanksgiving as a kid and how that applies to how you're running a business now. You may not think it's connected, but it's it's amazing how interconnected it all is. It's true. It's true. Those ladies, they had entertaining down to a science. And I've, I've learned a lot from those those folks. Yeah, I love it. Um, it. Just hearing that story made me think about my house mom in, in my fraternity in at Kansas State. She was, Mom Adams was from Charleston, South Carolina, and she was a Southern Belle. And I'm telling you, I grew up in the middle of nowhere in Kansas. You know, we were farm families. And so we didn't have a lot of etiquette and cotillion, like we didn't know what the heck that was. So <laughs> I had a whole lot of learning to do. <laughs> and so, you know, every time I go to Charleston now, I think about mom Adams and the stuff that she taught us about, you know, these dumb freshman fraternity boys where we didn't know like what spoon, why do we have so many spoons here? <laughs> you know, what are we supposed to do with this stuff and how to, how to use that spoon. Oh no, you don't just, <laughs> there's a certain way to do it. <laughs> I just think that's really interesting hearing your story. And I love the, the interconnectedness of 
all of those things that we we draw from our past into our present and into how we lead now too. I am curious, um, what do you do? Because you've made that transition from employee, loving that environment to holy moly, what am I doing? Uh, you know, I wasn't quite ready for this. Am I ready for this? I'm jumping in. How It's a very lonely role going into owning a company and leading a company. It can be very, very lonely because you're no longer part of the the troop, if you will. There's a, a dynamic that shifts, and it's not because you're trying to do it. It's just It just comes with the role for some reason. What are you doing? What do you do to help? surround yourself by with others or you know are you part of a peer groups or you know talk to us about how do you kind of take care of helen oh gosh that's an ongoing struggle i think <laughs> and i think that goes for everybody i mean you guys know how hard it is to to run businesses and and try to develop a team and still try to take care of yourself at the same time um there's been, let's see, I try to take care of my mental health by working out and going on walks and getting away from the, getting away from my phone and closing the laptop. Kristen used to call it the old ball and chain. So that laptop goes everywhere <laughs> with us all the time and trying to just disconnect um and you're right it can be extremely lonely because i did go from like sitting on the loading docks with the crew you know in the back of the truck and i don't do that anymore i can't do that anymore my husband's like no you're not unloading trucks you're not doing that anymore but it's like sometimes i'm like itching to get in it but it's like i, I have to be able to teach them um by doing some things and teach them by not doing other things um, and knowing what's what I should get my hands dirty in and what I shouldn't um, has been a, definitely a learning, a learning curve. Um, in the Charlotte hospitality industry, we have so many good, solid professionals and um, we're involved in ILEA, which is the International Lab Events Association, um, on which I'm the past president for the Charlotte chapter. I was president before I was owner of Spark. Um, we also are involved of, with NACE, which is the National Association of Catering and Events. Um, and they have a great Charlotte chapter as well. Um, then we're also involved with Visit Charlotte and the CRVA um, here in town as well, um, and MPI, Meeting Planners International. Now, all of those, I mentioned all these acronyms, um, that's, that's just three or four out of, there's probably about eight nationwide that are focused on events and hospitality, and I encourage anybody in um in that realm of industry to join those types of associations. Um, Cause as I mentioned before, 
this entire industry is fueled by teamwork and our team is small but mighty. I mean, we've got six basically um, full-time, full-time equivalently, full, full-time equivalent. That's such a hard word for me. Um, but we have just around six people, but then we'll do events for 1600. And then that, that level of event, which super high detail and moving all these people on buses and that can expand your team to 20, 30, 40, 50 people that have to come together in this giant puzzle to execute huge events. So I try to surround myself with folks that um, are like-minded and strive for excellence daily, whether it's in their um, home life, uh, as stay-at-home moms, or um, in business. There's quite a few uh, folks in our industry that are small business owners. We're not an industry that has any barriers to entry, really. You just like proof is in the pudding in this industry. Like you got to do it and you're only as good as your last event. So you got to push through and make magic happen. And once you start doing that over time, you'll start be able to create your own, your own foothold in this industry. But that's that's the beauty of of hospitality and events because you can get in easily you just got to work for it and there's so many small businesses in our industry i mean you've got your hoteliers like marriotts and all those they're in and then you've got the attractions like nascar and the carowinds and all those folks but the majority of all the planners i mean there's not they're not big they're one one, two, three, four person teams that are pulling off these massive, massive events, these citywides that we've been doing. Like President's Cup was earlier this year, like a couple of weeks ago. And the majority of these things are pulled off of small teams like mine, which is really amazing if you look at it across the country and, and the world that these industries, um, these companies are like maybe 12 people max on a lot of these on a lot of these companies and they can move thousands and thousands of people and have really seamless experiences. I I just find it, I'm I'm very grateful to be in this industry. I don't think there's anything like it. So can you take us through the shell shock of what happened in almost three years ago in March of 2020, and maybe you felt the rumbling a little bit earlier than that, but you know, you've been, you own this thing for five years, not quite probably. And then boom, the world changes. Like walk us through what that was like. Oh gosh. Was it three years ago? (laughs) Almost. Wow. (laughs) Getting there. Yeah. So I closed on the business with Kristen on February 20th, uh, 2019. So I'd owned the company for only one year. Um, and it was our biggest year yet as Spark. Um, we did a really good year and it almost killed us. Like me and the team that was with me, as I'd mentioned, those struggles of 
being understaffed and overworked um, during 2019, we were so busy, so busy. So it wasn't like for, I wasn't worried like many entrepreneurs start out of worrying about the business, making money. That was not the issue. It was like, are we going to survive this without me going to the crazy house and sending all the rest of my employees there? Because we were just strapped for time and energy the whole year and then had an insane 2020 booked up. I was on a leadership conference actually in Nashville um, when we started getting cancellations surrounded by other event owners. Actually, there were seven of us doing a, a leadership retreat in Nashville. It was awesome to be with them and having that automatic built in um, sounding board of everybody was dealing with these cancellations at the same time, March, 2020 bouncing off what we're going to do. Um, so I was a year in a year and one month in, and it was 2020 was shaping up to be even bigger than 19. And I liken it to going 200 miles around Charlotte motor speedway and somebody pulling the emergency brake and you just spinning out for months. It felt like just spinning and spinning and spinning, trying to figure out um, next steps. I had a huge loan with the SBA, which I mean, I'm still chipping away at, of course. Um, I have all that. I had four people counting on me for employment, majority of which were new. And all of the business emptied to zero where some industries, yeah, they might've gotten, oh, they had a loss of 20% or 30%. Like events and hospitality, we lost 100% of our business uh, within uh, probably 60 days. So between March and May, uh, what was going to be about 3 million in revenue went to zero. So that was a hard hit. And um, I sat on the back porch a lot drinking tequila, <laughs> to be honest, and tried to break down why we even gather in the first place. Why do people even party? What's the point? Y'all tell me. Tell me why we party. Ideas? Um, I mean, the socialization aspect has got to be the most important, right? Just the interaction with, with people and the environment that that creates of getting together. That has to be one of the top things, I would think. Definitely. I, I would say so, too. Those connections that you have, this, mm -hmm. this social component um, of gathering is definitely number one. Gary, you have a guess what I was thinking about drinking margaritas for three months in a row. <laughs> That's just giving me a headache thinking about it. <laughs> um, yeah. For for me, I'm a, a social creature and, and that's really it. I don't really like big parties and I've had to pull some big ones off in my career. Um, but I, I really like the one-on-one -on -one aspect and just being able to connect. Like I love connecting with people. 
you know, so, and I think that's really it for me. It's just connecting, Helen, having a, a means to connect. Helen, give us some margaritas and the ideas will just keep flowing. Just like <laughs> oh, you in the I back. can make a main <laughs> cocktail. Well, that leads me to what we ended up doing actually. So that's exactly what I was thinking about. We party because we want to socialize with others. We need, as humans, we need that human connection. If we can't gather, how can we create that human connection? Yeah. One so, of the one of the biggest aspects of depression is isolation. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And for all of us that enjoy socializing and then that are type A extroverts that was extremely detrimental to our mental health because we are fueled by being surrounded by others. It's just part of our, our DNA. So when that was removed, um, that really, really hurt of a wide, wide variety. I'm, I know a lot of my introverted friends were like, hell yes, we don't have to go anywhere. We just sit here by ourselves. This is awesome. But like me and my event people were like, I'm dying. They had like hug groups on Zoom and stuff, like getting together, crying about it together. And I'm like, I did a couple of these virtual hug things and it was, it was nice. It was nice, but I'm one to, all right, so what's our solution here? I've got bills to pay. I got people waiting for like figuring out what I'm going to do for their paycheck. I just kept paying them anyway. It was just like, we'll just dip in and pay for them, you know, to keep them around because I'm not one to rely on the government or anybody else to do what I need to do. So I sat there drinking my margaritas, figuring out, all right, we've got socialization. We've got to be able to connect with others. Um, what, what does make a party besides human connection? You've got food and beverage, entertainment, maybe a version of education of some sort. So how can we bring that to people's doorsteps when they can't leave their house? Now, if you look online now, you will find hundreds of companies that ship cocktail packages, do online cocktail classes or online um, virtual tasting, vir virtual tastings or happy hours, um, crafting sessions, etc. You look online now, you'll see hundreds. In March of in April of 2020, there were like three that did these types of services. So all of us that were in events, were trying to figure this out. My solution was, all right, we can figure out how to host parties with having a shared experience, combining technology through Zoom or Microsoft Teams um, and gift packages shipped to everyone's homes. So everybody opens up the gift. They have all the same product and supplies to do whatever activity we lead them online to do. And that was like a novel idea back in April, <laughs> April of 2020. So we launched this. 
we launched it. It was one month after we went on lockdown. I had the party pack together and launched for Charlotte only. We figured out how to play music online, which that was because when Zoom itself and all these other platforms that we were using back then, they weren't quite ready. They were close, but they weren't quite ready for the sound, the video, the 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 lead glitching and all those different things, the amount of impact that they would have on their business. Everything was a little bit quirky. So we had to figure out how, what platforms to use, how to adjust our sound, how to dis, uh, adjust display and figure out a run of show that switched down from being a three or four hour event to how can we minimize it so it's only 60 to 90 minutes to keep people's attention, keep it fun. And it became something to the effect of theater production instead of hosting events. So we would run off um, very, very detailed timelines of um, we have a musician actually starting us off to kill that elevator silence when people are joining a Zoom or joining teams. You know how y'all have gotten on all these meetings over the past couple of years and you've got this awkward silence where everybody's signing on and some guys will say hey and others are like not turning their camera on. And it's just kind of like this awkward room kind of thing. So we um, partnered with Key Signature Entertainment here in Charlotte and they got together a couple of their musicians that were um, that were savvy enough to learn how to play music through the computer and do these great openings. So they would be our elevator music as we would sign on five to 10 minutes worth. So everybody would join the room and be like, oh my gosh, there's a freaking mariachi band in here. Yes, there is. They're all dressed up with the whole nine, like all of it. <laughs> and we're about to learn how to make cocktails from our friend in Oaxaca, literally in Mexico, shaking up cocktails while she's outside in this beautiful, lush area in Oaxaca. I mean, it was magical because we were able to provide fun experiences that are hour out of people's times. They have all their stuff shipped to them. They can converse and be like, did you get these trudels too? These are amazing. Like, oh my gosh. Yeah. And they're just talking about the food and beverage that they got in their box. They're learning how to make the most perfect margarita or Paloma or whatever else. And then we're supporting all other small businesses for their products that are going into these packages. So when we did this, I'm like, we're not using any big brands in these boxes. All of these are going to be benefiting small businesses with their products and American craftsmen that are making like wooden spoons or crocheting um, uh, pot holders and things like that to go along with the cooking experience. Getting with our graphic designers here in town to do branding on towels and mugs and all kinds of things that people will actually keep and cherish and not just folks weren't given just a bunch of junk in their boxes. There were things that they really wanted to use, not only for the party, but are still using 
now, and I got to meet some of these people that we impacted virtually, I've gotten to meet them now in person at real life con- conferences. And like, Helen, you guys just brought so much joy to us over the past two years. And I still love using my corkscrew. It is the best one ever. And like all that kind of stuff. It's like, you know, with there was such a dark, dark time during that, during those couple of years, at least we were able to figure out how to spread joy and fun and love in some sort of way. So we were blessed to have a great, great group of clients that entrusted us with these types of events and basically came to us and said, what are we going to do? We have all these conferences planned. How can we stay in front of our clients? How can we stay in front of our customers? Help us come up with some sort of ideas. So we just spitballed. And now we have like 55 different ideas and I'm still teaching one tomorrow on how to customize your own shoes, like all kinds of stuff. (laughs) So it's, it, it was hard, but you gotta, and I would, I would suggest to anybody just always keep looking, staying curious to learn and, and trying to find those solutions. They're there. It's just trying to dig out from all the other crap that's in your way. So talk to us. I mean, that's amazing. I, I, I want to hear about the, how to customize your own shoes because I've got a son that's a shoe designer and I do a lot of that myself. So <laughs> I'd be very curious offline to hear more about that. But so you went, I love your analogy too of you know going 200 miles an hour around Charlotte Motor Speedway and somebody hits an emergency brake and you're spinning out. Like, yeah. It, you know, a lot of people felt that way and your industry in particular, you know, to go from a $3 million runway rate to nothing and having to get real creative and curious over a margarita or two. Um, I love the creativity and the passion, not just the creativity, but kind of purpose too, where you're like even intentional about we're not just going to send some schlocky box filled with a bunch of gadgets, but like it's meaningful, purposeful. We're supporting other small businesses. We're going to do it even right. Like even the the music, like that is so creative. I love it because <laughs> there are some really bad <laughs> Zoom meetings <laughs> that we've all had to endure. And so I think that's really cool. Talk to us about going from, 200 miles an hour to nothing to then what happened in the rest of 2020 and 2021 in your business as it was kind of going through, you know, complete lockdown to little fits and starts of, oh, maybe it's going to open up, then shut down again. You know, walk us through, like, how did that really happen? Like, what happened during those two years for you? Well, um, we launched the spark party pack in April of 2020 and started doing our first couple that spring and summer. And we were doing like one or two a month until August. And in August of 2020, we had to move our, we have a decor warehouse here and we had to consolidate half of it 
and move a bunch of decor out of the way that sat and gathered dust and made the other half into a fulfillment area. Um, we got shelves um, and boxes and packaging material and all kinds of, um, we got custom boxes made uh, for the Spark Party Pack and basically created a fulfillment area. I hired a friend of mine that actually got laid off that is super detailed, highly, highly organized person to be our fulfillment manager. Um, so we ended up hiring during the pandemic um, to uh, manage the influx of orders for these virtual parties. So between August of 2020 um, throughout uh, 21, um, we did the same amount of revenue in 21 that we did in 2019. And that in itself, I was so proud of our team for being able to pull that off. And we shipped over 10,000 packages over the course of 16 months, which is something that we never expected our business to look like. Um, but we realized really quickly that our footprint is not just in the Carolinas. It can be um, nationwide. It became nationwide uh, during the pandemic. And that is what has set me on this global domination <laughs> down the line with all these other ideas I have cooking with some other really creative folks of um, being able to take what we've done here on a um, global scale using um, educational and um, destination related topics. So that is to come. But um, just during the pandemic, we really focused on creating really good content for virtual happy hours. Um, and I hired one of the best planners in town that had gotten furloughed and was able to bring her on. And that was such a good fortuitous time um, that I was able to get her because I probably wouldn't have if life was still happening as it was. Um, so I was able to hire her early enough that she could get trained up and understand our business and was prepared for business in person when it did start happening. So I spent that time to really organize now another arm of revenue and prepare with the best for when live events came back, we were ready. And we re we were able to execute the ones in 21 with no issue. And now 22 has been an awesome year with still virtuals popped in probably two or three times a month. We still do one, but we were doing like five or six, seven a week. I had all of my laid off event friends or folks that were a little slow on events being online hosting um, to host these virtual parties. So I'm really thankful that we were able to provide work for so many others in our industry and, and other folks that weren't in our industry that we were able to, you know, support. Um, so it was, it was all good. It really was all good. I think it was how we, how we looked at the situation because you can look at it from so many different viewpoints and 
obviously, I don't know if you know this about me yet, but I am a glass half full kind of person. (laughs) (laughs) You think? (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Oh, man, your story is just so inspiring. And I hope everybody listening to this, whether you're an entrepreneur, an owner, or thinking about it, or just a human being that loves stories of inspiration and can do get it done you're that man (laughs) I I try I try I mean I'm just a I'm really just a party girl and I'm just trying to make sure that everybody else can live in an environment of joy and fun and can can put in some really hard work to make it happen it's not given you got to work for it well one of the things too that i hope the listeners are doing is how do you apply what helen is talking about to your industry right and it's the same crossover that we see a lot with um emily and jesse with the savannah bananas right like how do you apply creating this insane experience at a baseball game to wealth management or accounting it seems like you can't at all and it's the same thing with helen what you're talking about okay how how does somebody in a different industry take the idea uh, creation that you're talking about and the ability to pivot when something is thrown at you how do you take those things and have it fit your business because you certainly can and i hope the people listening can find that correlation of, of take what you've been able to do which was a complete pivot, right? To go from everything in person to doing the same amount of revenue in 2021 that you did in 19, because you just flipped the business and said, how do I solve this problem that was thrown at us and and make it happen? And, and hopefully the listeners are able to do that for their businesses as well. Yeah, I hope so. Because I, th- I do think it translates to a variety of, I mean, really to all businesses. And, mm-hmm. and those are... Really, business in general, I think, is a puzzle, and I'm a puzzle obsessed. Like, I love puzzles. And if you look at any business, you've got your corner pieces, you've got your edges, you've got an overall look of how it should go. But fitting it all together is what takes the time. So, I mean, you've, as long as you can identify what your foundational foundational pieces are of your business which to me are your corner pieces for us in hospitality it's it's hospitality it's um events it's joy and it's making money those are our four like we want to spread joy and make money like that is our core (laughs) slogan so like you've got those four pieces figured out for your own company, no matter what gets thrown at you, if you can refer back to those core corners or those corner pieces, I feel like you can make it through any type of, any type of uh, situation, whether it's a global pandemic or war setting or whatever else. And I didn't expect to do virtual we didn't even think that was a thing and that was just it was a solution for a problem the problem being not being able to gather when you can't 
have people together, what's the only other solution? It's like, let's rely on technology. Technology can then become a tool where for many people, it was just like a hindrance. So I don't want to learn how to do that. But sometimes life throws you a curveball and you might think that your business will end up being in some sort of way. But once you start being a solution provider, instead of thinking in your head, this is what I want to do. This is the direction that I need to take this company because I know it's going to make us the most money. Sometimes that's not always the best way to look at it. Sometimes you got to look at it of like, what problem can I solve for my client? I think I could probably solve that a similar problem for another client. And it becomes you're now a problem solving machine more so than money making machine. The money just comes with it. Once you start solving problems for people, money just starts happening is being able to provide those solutions is what people will pay you for of figuring out stuff. And that's, that can be translated to any industry. It's like nobody, like in the hospitality world, we would have these calls throughout 2020 of, well, what, what are the protocols? What are the CDC say? What are the protocols that we're supposed to do here? And how are we supposed to do this? And I, I was sat up there and I said, guys, nobody's going to tell us how to throw parties. We are the party people. This is what we do. We have to figure it out and tell them this is how we can do this safely. This is how we can still spread joy and make money like for you, for you as the client and for us, like nobody's going to give us the solution. You have to figure it out on your own. Yeah. So the, the Henry Ford quote of if people asked, or if I asked people what they wanted, they would have told me faster horses. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, Helen, this has been an unbelievable conversation. We could probably just keep you on here all day. Um, thank you so much for sharing for people that want to check uh, Helen and the company out more make sure they go to sparkbydesign.events. That's not .com. So, or you can just type in Spark by Design in Google too. But it's sparkbydesign.events. And then you can find her as Helen Edwards on LinkedIn as well. And we'll put those links in the show note. Any final things you want to say or anything anywhere else you want them to go? Uh, no, I really appreciate you spending time with me today, guys. You can also find us on Instagram, uh, and Facebook spark by design with underscores between each word. <laughs> um, but yeah, just Google us. We're there. Um, I'm very thankful that you guys had me on. I hope I was, um, concise <laughs> enough and hopefully inspired some others. Um, I'd be happy to talk through, um, anything with anybody who wants to reach out of if they've got a problem with their company or they don't know what direction to take things. I'm always here for you to talk through um, business and of course, throw in a good party. So <laughs> holler at me. What an inspiring time, man. This is good. Really enjoyed hearing your story and just a lot of wisdom that came out of you with so much creativity and it's not creativity just in party decorations man there's a whole lot under the hood there with 
Helen Edwards. <laughs> thank you so much, Helen. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me.